you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. I'm Patrick Claybon, and for Rhett Lewis, this is the NFL Inside Report on an off-season Wednesday, if you believe such things exist, the off-season. Uh, that is, but an offseason Wednesday with a ton of implications for the 2022 regular season. We're going to take you through some of those things that will have an impact, including uh, the latest on the league's investigation into Deshaun Watson and the allegations, the 22 uh, allegations against him. The Baker Mayfield situation created by the Browns acquiring Deshaun Watson, as well as Drew Brees and his activity in the tweets regarding his future. To discuss those goings on, I've got some help here on my maiden voyage on this particular ship. NFL Network Steve Weiss, as well as NFL Network's James Palmer. Gentlemen, uh, let's let's get started uh, here with that, the most notable news, a day where we await the result uh, after NFL investigators met with new Browns quarterbacks. Investigation has a goal of determining whether or not he violated the personal conduct policy. Uh, James, for those who've been following this story for almost a full one and a half years, have been waiting for this part of it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the timeline as well as the potential result? I, I, you, you, you said a key word there, uh, Patrick, in terms of how it pertains to the personal conduct policy. We have to remember that being found guilty in any sort of criminal activity doesn't play a part, right, in how they view you in breaking the criminal conduct policy. Now, remember, two grand juries found, decided that not to indict him on criminal charges. That doesn't change whether he violated the personal conduct policy in the eyes of the NFL. What usually happens, right, Steve, is when we see that they're talking to the player, the appearance usually is they've gathered a lot of information and now they're talking to the player, right? That usually happens towards the end of what their investigation uh, pertains. They usually don't talk to the player early on in the process. They want all the information presented to the player, then have the conversation with the player. I remember that happening with Tyreek Hill, maybe was that two years ago, when he had his happening around this same time of the offseason. It has that feeling, Steve, that like with them meeting with Deshaun now, <laughs> that we in the next couple of weeks could be hearing some sort of determination on a, on a possible suspension. 100%. You know, it seems like the fact that the league is, is talking to Deshaun Watson now that we'll have, you know, a couple weeks before training camp, at least knowing if he's going to be suspended, if he's going to be suspended, when he will be uh, disciplined, those types of answers that we've all been waiting for. And I'm sure the Browns want to know more than anything. And they don't um, know right now. I've talked to people at the Browns. Right. They don't know. No, Nobody has any idea what's going to happen. And, you know, look, Deshaun Watson said all along, he can't wait to tell his side of things. You know, he wants to lay this out there, his legal team. So we'll see what the league believes. But, you know, you you take, you know, what the league has done with the situation before from Bounty Gate to Deflate Gate to, you know, Josh Gordon to some of these individual circumstances, Ezekiel Elliott probably being the more most prominent one where he was not he's not criminally charged. These were just kind of accusations. Um pictures, things that could be used as evidence. And, you know, 
Zeke was, you know, he was disciplined. He was suspended for a while. Um, and so you look at the threshold of the accusations against Deshaun Watson compared to some of the other players who've been disciplined under the personal conduct policy. I think most people are expecting some type of discipline, but again, you just don't know if Deshaun and his team lay out and say, this is really what happened. He may not be disciplined. And think, but think about the potential blowback because, you know, for two years we've heard everything against Deshaun Watson. And if all of a sudden he's got evidence that says, yeah, nothing really happened here. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how the league handles this. If it's something where he fights it in court, because remember we've seen cases and I believe it's Ezekiel. It may be I'm wrong where he would play then not play then play then not play. And, you know, so again, I think there'll be some type of at least initial resolution from the league standpoint before training camp. And the interesting part about it is guys like the timeline is still flexible within the civil lawsuits like they right now in my understanding right if things aren't solved i believe by june one all of these hearings are going to be pushed back to 2023 starting in march of 2023 so they could come up with a suspension whether it's six games eight games ten games i don't think i'd like to get your opinion steve i don't think it's going to be the full season that's just a guess though um whatever the suspension is any almost all of these civil lawsuits might not be finalized. They could be pushed back to 2023. So there is the potential, to my understanding, of no suspension in 2022. Correct. There could be a suspension in 2023. Yeah, I mean, look, the league does not want to put itself in a situation of, okay, let's administer punishment mm-hmm. now. Yep. Right? And then nothing, like you said, these, these, these lawsuits get pushed to 2023. Then he's found liable for some or all of them. Is, is the punishment retroactive? I mean, has he already served it? Are they going to hit him with double jeopardy, so to speak, under the personal conduct policy? Or or how would that work? So, again, this is a, a really intriguing – you can't say legal because it's not legal. But mm-hmm. in terms of you know uh, the dynamic of the timeline of how this could be handled and if punishment is meted out. And if it's not, again, the public relations, the public potential blowback – of no punishment, how that's going to be meted out. The last part, Patrick, I would say is it was interesting. I, I, I think it was at the first owners meetings, right? Not these ones coming up. Obviously, he can't speak ahead of time. That would be a wormhole in all sorts of situations. <laughs> yeah. But when Roger Goodell spoke at the owners meetings and said that they, you know, they were going to speak to Deshaun Watson when they felt they had enough information. So now that they're meeting, and that was you know a couple of months ago. It appears then that they think they have enough information to meet with Deshaun Watson. It seems like the double-edged sword of evaluating all of these different circumstances. Steve, you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott, of course, uh, DeflateGate, uh, the investigation into the the commanders now, right? Evaluating these circumstances ind- individually puts you in a position where you have an independent investigation. And so I, the the ultimate question from people on the outside is, if you're evaluating this individually uh, with your own investigators, with your own information, why is it contingent on things that happen outside of that? Why would you be concerned about the results of a civil lawsuit or the results of a legal investigation if you're having an independent investigation and why that timeline has to be so different? And that timeline, right, has put teams in positions where they don't know. You mentioned the Browns not knowing. And it gets us to this point where, Steve, are, are they, do they have a plan to, to start with Jacoby Brissett? Or is there a Jacoby Brissett plan that, that has this kind of quantum superposition of whether or not Deshaun is going to actually play football and when that happens? Oh, I, I'm sure. I mean, that's why they went on got Jacoby Brissett. And, and, you know, and it didn't go with, you know, a younger quarterback. I mean, the Baker Mayfield is what it is. I mean, that's, that ship is sealed. I mean, we could talk all the while. He could show up to camp. He could still play. Why? Why would he do that? But anyway, we'll get to that in just a minute. But yeah, I mean, that's why they went and got a, a pro like Jacoby Brissett, who can come in six games, eight games. The team is good enough for Jacoby Brissett, you know, who can, who can manage things to hold it, you know, to hold things down. So he can hand it off and give it to Nick Chubb and, and all these, and you, and you see the schedule. Do they have any primetime games before like week six? They have only two primetime games Thursday night, week three, Monday night, week eight. Okay. Are there two primetime games? So, yeah, I mean, that's a situation where the league is even kind of like, okay, we know Sean Watson's one of the most, you know, electrifying players in the NFL, but 
to keep him off the prime time. So one, minimize exposure. Um, even if he is playing just because of everything that's been alleged against him. And the other is, you know, if he's not playing, is is the draw really going to be Jacoby Brissett? But I mean, in terms of the Browns, they would not have made the trade if they did not have plan B's in, in all of this in place, knowing that there could be potential discipline in play. Yeah. And one other little point on this is Patrick made a good point about how, how these work. And t- this is, is this the, f- I think, right, the first one we're seeing under the new CBA where this isn't Roger Goodell's call. Right. Right. Good this, point. this is independent of Roger Goodell in, in what happens in here. And so this is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. And hopefully, um, especially considering, because Steve, you mentioned optics and, and the way things go about, hopefully the league is not taking any action that limits a conversation that we can have uh, surrounding sexual violence. If it's whether it's putting the game in a certain spot or having it at a certain time, I, I think regardless of whether Deshaun is playing, um, we have an opportunity to facilitate this conversation. And hopefully um, we, we can go about doing that <laughs> in, in a way. And, and in terms of that conversation, Steve, um, a lot of Deshaun's teammates are going to have to be a part of that. And he has an opportunity this offseason to at least right put them in a position to where they can be comfortable having a conversation about him and about the circumstances uh, without causing right harm uh, for for people who are victims, for people who are uh, going through this. How how does how has he tried to to facilitate that relationship thus far? And that's a fantastic question because, you know, what we see publicly and what happens privately are two different things. I mean, these conversations, one, look, in the management of the Browns, they've had to happen. You know, who do the Browns push out there as the face of their ownership group? It is D. Haslam. You know, Jimmy Haslam is the, is the name behind it, but they push D. Haslam out there a lot. She's got some strong opinions, right? So they came out. Remember, it was kind of a fumbled initial press conference where I don't even think they were at the news conference. They were on vacation at a remote site. They were overseas. They were overseas. Yeah. And and what was said was kind of like, uh, so you've got that part where they're, you know, they're having those internal discussions management wise, but with players, because they're going to be the ones who have to answer questions for Deshaun. I've been in too many of these situations as James, where somebody's, you know, with the Michael Vick dog fighting stuff, his teammates had to talk about it for half a season, if not longer. Um, Things like that. So it's a very tough situation, but this is where you see who your leaders are. Like you said, Patrick, can we have an open discussion about sexual violence, uh, inappropriate behavior, uh, domestic, you know, domestic situations? And this is an opportunity for them to speak out on it without possibly violating the trust that they built up with Deshaun to speak about it in personal terms or in, in general terms. But that's something you're hoping that the Browns, and I know they've got a, a pretty good uh, media relations department and player player engagement department, where they're going to have these players prepped because those those questions are going to come um, from the local folks and especially folks coming in from out of town who might not even be sports writers, uh, you know, asking about this. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll piggyback on that, Steve. It, and it's not just the players and, and the organizations are preparing. I talked to other organizations just just in jest, right? Going like, what would you do if you guys landed Deshaun Watson? We're talking to two other teams just kind of about what they would go through the process with. And it was endless what they were listing to me, you know, and how they would have to talk to all of their people on the phone that are taking calls from season ticket holders and, and how that conversation would go, because it's a, it's a topic that needs to be talked about and it should be talked about in that locker room. I'm not sure if Deshaun's going to address the team or talk to guys individually, but it's definitely one that I believe as a teammate, I would like to have with him. What I'm interested in is how that those relationships are, let's be honest, relatively new with those teammates compared to the ones he had in Houston. And I was in Houston plenty, and those guys over the last year, remember, Deshaun didn't talk at all. They right. had to answer throughout the entire season. And it was very interesting. The I don't want to generalize an entire locker room, but you would you could say the majority were loyal and faithful to Deshaun, and the relationships, from what I was told behind closed doors, were very good, very amicable. He caused no problems in the locker room. There weren't, and when I say that, I mean there weren't arguments with him about this topic or other topics behind closed doors. But this is a new group of guys 
and this is and these are new relationships. It's going to be something that has to be and done. Apparently, maybe he wants to do it in, in the Bahamas where he's taking guys. I don't know. But it's it's a conversation. If I was a teammate, to put my personal opinion on it, I, I would want to have. And Patrick, yeah. real quick, real quick. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. In the building itself, not just in the locker room. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of women, a lot of a lot of men who feel a certain way. Um, that's an odd dynamic because I know one team um, that was involved in the trade talks with Deshaun Watson that caught major blowback from employees in the building like this, this is not it. This is not it. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of massaging. And again, the Browns, before they made this step, I am sure that they spoke to a lot of people in their building and and everything to prepare for this. They had to. It was about five months, Steve, they were interested. Yeah. So they it, had to, at right? At least. Yeah. At least. But, I mean, that's another dynamic that might not ever might not ever go away. And, and to be clear, uh, as James mentioned, the the conversations that the teams had, right? Uh, the the things that they were prepared to do. These are things that should be done anyway. Uh, well these said. Are people, these yeah. are people who should Good be point. empowered. These are discussions that we should be having, whether or not uh, Deshaun Watson plays uh, a single down in 2022. And the fact that he got there takes us to the next discussion uh, because it it led to more than one thing being set in motion. That was the the start of the end of Baker Mayfield. And we've gone through some iterations of this Baker job hunt, right? There, uh, he was calling a shot saying he wanted Indy. He didn't want Carolina. Then Indy wanted and got Matt Ryan and Carolina said the disinterest was mutual in the draft. We had some quarterbacks go and now we're here, which is nowhere for Baker at the moment. Uh, so, so James, what's up? Is anybody trading for Baker Mayfield? Who is still involved in this process? I got a text this morning from inside the organization that said nothing is going on right now. I mean, absolutely nothing is going on. And I think it's kind of like that, right? That quarterback carousel and, or musical chairs. And is there a chair for Baker to fall into? You mentioned Indy. He had interest there. When I talked to people in Indianapolis, they had no interest. Um, There was a small amount of interest, some with the Panthers. uh, And then they traded and get Matt Corral and, and that that's gone. I mean, maybe, Seattle falls out of love with Drew Locke halfway through the season? I mean, or somebody gets hurt, Steve, in terms of health-wise from another team right now. But right now, nothing is happening. And, and this has been a, a fascinating ride uh, <laughs> to watch, honestly, from just a, a journalism standpoint because of the <laughs> way it's gone down, right, Steve? Because if you think about the, the the way this has happened, I go back to, you know, Earlier in the year, I was doing a Thursday night game in Cleveland against the Broncos, if you remember this. And they were determining whether Baker was going to play in this game. And it comes down to Wednesday's practice when Case Keenum comes out with Stefanski. And he's at practice, they tell everybody on Wednesday, Keenum's the starter. OBJ and Jarvis Landry were not going to play in that game. Right. They ended up playing in that game. After they found out in practice on Wednesday that Case Keenum was going to be the quarterback, and I and when I found that out, I was like, "This is this There's is your son. Yep. This is a spot, man." And, and so, <laughs> so, I mean, it it has been. And then the funny part is, there's coaches that I know there, Stephen. I know you know that like, that think the world of Baker at the same time. So he is a polarizing personality, uh, but I I don't. I don't know. I would like to see your take because I'm watching Jimmy Garoppolo go through a situation in San Francisco uh, where he takes them in 2019 to the Super Bowl, and then they trade three first-round picks for a prospect, not a Deshaun Watson who the last time we saw him play is a top-five quarterback in football, and he went out and played and took him to the postseason again. It's, it, it, it is a really wild ride, and I want to get the timeline down a little bit because if, if what I'm hearing is right – that at the combine, Baker's representatives were made clear that they would potentially go after a a top, top quarterback. I'm not sure how he was lied to. And that's just my opinion. If he found out at the combine that they would maybe go, be going after a, a, you know, a Russell Wilson or a, or a Aaron Rodgers or a Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, look, he may not have been, have been lied to, but it hurt. I mean, let's like Matt Ryan. Of was, course. Yeah. Matt Ryan was like, oh, okay, uh, you're in on Deshaun Watson? I tell you what, I've given 14 years to this organization. I've rescued it from the ashes. Get me out of here. And the other did him a solid and got him to 
you know, potentially. Pretty good spot, team. actually. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. and so with Baker, you know, you talked about how like Jarvis and OBJ decided to play. I've talked to countless teams who are like, you know, don't think that stuff got past us. Mm-hmm. You know, we know our locker rooms and that's not going to work. You know, so I do think at some point Baker will be on another team. But but the longer this goes on, that's more time for Jimmy Garoppolo to heal. Mm-hmm. And teams would much rather if you're – look, I don't think the Niners trade Jimmy to Seattle. But they might. They <laughs> might. I mean, for real. I mean, that, that yeah, dynamic – That's, nine, that's, just, that's uh, nine weeks to take a good solid look at Drew Locke. Yeah. Uh, because by the time he's thrown, it's what, mid-July? beginning. Correct. Like, then you have an opportunity to – that these teams have seen some, some – then then, but then the point you're making, Steve, is that throws Jimmy now into the mix. And it makes it even more complicated. There are a lot more teams that would take Jimmy G than Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. for for no for you know Jimmy's durability issues for everything it, because they saw how he handled the Trey Lance situation last yeah. year with was just unbelievable. So with Baker Mayfield, I think it it may come down to you know either the Broncos paying his entire salary because then somebody might take him. Maybe Houston. I, I don't know. I don't know if they want to introduce that into what, you know, a guy in the last year's contract into what they're trying to build. So, and I, look, I've talked to several people that the Seahawks, they're like, we've heard no interest from the Seahawks. And that's, that's the thing. We have two quarterbacks. Uh, both were injured at the end of the season. Uh, both needed surgery at the, at the, after the season came to an end. One of those quarterbacks was a couple of plays away from going to the Super Bowl. The other quarterback uh, who was hurt, and you can clearly make the case that Baker shouldn't have been playing. I think Jarvis and Odell were probably making that case, right, when, when they elected to play with Case, but not with Baker. But um, he was out there, and the results, uh, James, they, they weren't good. No. I mean, you have to remember, those first two weeks, I don't want to speak exactly on stats. He was completing like 80% of his balls through the first two weeks. I know it's a small sample size, but then the injury happened week three, and it, he really wasn't the, the same guy. I know he talked on a podcast about how it affected him physically, how it affected him mentally, lost his self-confidence um, and, and those things because we did see the offense working the year before, right? Him operating out of that play action with a really good run game that you should be relying on if you're Cleveland and, and running the football quite a bit. So, yeah, the injuries definitely hurt. But there was a little more to Keenum playing <laughs> that Thursday night game than just Baker's Baker's hell. Go tape your non-throwing shoulder down, uh, tape your arm to yeah. your side, and, and try to throw a football. It, it's it's exceedingly difficult. And we have seen Baker play at a very high level. Um, but there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot that goes into this decision. There's a lot that goes into the direction of a franchise. Um, and we've seen uh, recently um, Indianapolis, for example, um, in Carolina as well. You, you try to take a shot at a former top 10 pick um, and and things don't necessarily uh, work out. Real, real, real quick, I just, this kind of hit me and it's kind of a, like, Baker Mayfield feels like he was lied to and once out of Cleveland. He's being replaced by a quarterback in Deshaun Watson who felt like he was lied to in Houston and refused to play for the Texans and is now replacing Baker Mayfield. Different situations, Deshaun was playing at a what? See, top five quarterback. Oh, level. Easy, easy. I mean that that roster was was terrible in in 2019, and he played led the league in passing. He was fantastic, but he felt like ownership lied to him. Now Jimmy Haslam has said that he he stated, uh, "I don't think Baker was talking about ownership when he mentioned uh, that he was lied to." Not sure what exactly he meant by that, but um, <laughs> that's where Deshaun Watson's issues lie uh, in in Houston, and it's just kind of a sense of irony. I know the situations are different, but they both feel like they were lied to. Both one out, one's replacing the other. That's that's what they say about grass and, and the relative greenness uh, mm-hmm. of it. Uh, sometimes uh, we're going to continue our discussion with a quarterback who's going to Canton, Ohio, but he's also on the Twitter machine talking about his future. What's the latest on Drew Brees? We'll hit you up with that when we come back here on NFL Inside Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. We're back here on the NFL Inside Report. Patrick Claybon in for Red Lewis with Steve Weiss and James Palmer taking me through my maiden voyage on this particular ship, which is always uh, captained by Thomas Warren. Thank you. Thank you, James. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's uh, get to some meeting news. We got the spring league meeting uh, next week in Atlanta. And over a couple of days, uh, minority coach and GM prospects from each team are going to get a chance to network with owners and high-ranking executives as the league uh, continues to make a push. Uh, to to have some more diversity in, in its ranks, especially the coaching and management ranks. And Steve, this is a conversation that we had extensively, um, you know, during the lead up to the Super Bowl, and, and it gets us to that point where who are the decision makers here? Uh, well, there they are. They're they're the owners. So so what are we expecting uh, to get uh, next week? Yeah, like you said, each team has to nominate a potential GM candidate and potential head coaching candidate to come to this league meeting to meet with team officials, and owners, if the owner so choose to meet with them. Nobody's being required to do this. And this is a suggestion that's been made by Tony Dungy and Marvin Lewis and a lot of people for years. Like these owners have no idea personally who a Joe Witt is or in a Giro Eviro from, you know, the defensive coordinator for the Broncos and, you know, Joe Witt from the secondary coach for the Cowboys or, or Kai Harley, the cap, the capologist for the New Orleans Saints. So this is an opportunity for them to meet them. Again, I'll be at these meetings. I'm going to be very curious to see how many of them actually meet them, how many of them are sincere, because the good clubs, good ownership, let's say you're the Rams, right? Sean McVay is going nowhere, but if Stan Kroenke or the team president wants, you know, Kevin Demoff, maybe they meet with these guys because they have such a churn of people in the front office that, or, or, or on their coaching staff, okay, let's get this guy in here just for whatever reason, or we can recommend him to somebody else, to another team, because people are always coming to our guys and asking us. We could say, hey, look, you may want to look at this guy right here. There may be some other teams who are just like, I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to do this. We'll see. I will be there watching, and I will not bite, be biting my tongue uh, uh, publicly on those who uh, who do not participate in this. Um it's just going to be intriguing to see what it comes out. It's a step. And as you mentioned, Patrick, the league continues to make a push for diversity. This is not a league issue. This is an individual team issue as to who they want to hire and things like this. So it's a step. The league is trying to make it happen. You know, we'll see if anything comes out of this. But again, you know, I do applaud the, the league for at least trying, again, another measure to introduce owners to people who may be out of their circle they're unfamiliar with. 
And I think, see, this is a good setting for it, right? Because if you look at the other owner meetings, all the GMs and head coaches are there. They're not at this meeting. Some of them will be there. Some, Some of them will be, be okay. there as well. Oh, yeah. but it's a small, much, to my understanding, much smaller group that will be there on next week, which to me, I think, plays as a positive for those that are going to be down there uh, as part of this. And I, and I, I do want to make sure that you, you, you keep everybody in check, my man. Like, oh. I, I want to hear who's showing up and I want to hear who's there to have these meetings. Because to, to me, and, and Steve, you've been around this league longer than I have, but we both have seen it a ton of people who are hired are hired because of their relationships with the people who are hired. How Correct. many assistant coaches in this league, uh, I'll just say it, are not very good, but they know the right people and keep getting gigs when that guy keeps getting either an OC or a DC job or a head coaching job. Yeah. And, and it's because of who they know. And that, that those relationships need to be broadened. The same people are knowing the same people over. And so th- that point is, if you hire people that you have developed a relationship with, let's increase the relationships. And, and th- certain people are not putting themselves in a, in a, in a position to expand that. And I think this is an effort to do it. It's been what put in place. You mentioned Tony Dungy, others. It's, it's been something recommended by people, uh, by minority candidates that have been hired and minority candidates that haven't been hired. So, so ones that have even succeeded through the process have said, I believe that this is something that, that will benefit us. And so I, I do a- applaud the effort. I want to see what comes out of it uh, moving forward. One example comes to mind uh, and, and a direct benefit of this is I live here in Denver, and, and I'll be frank, the Broncos have never been known to be an extremely uh, diverse organization or front office organization. But now a name comes to mind in Kelly Klein, who came with, with George yep. Payton. And I was told her sitting in on all of their head coaching candidate interviews that they went through provided a completely different perspective they were not ready for to everybody else in the room of these candidates and they absolutely loved it and never thought about it in the first place. Somebody coming from a different background with a different perspective, helping interview their prospective candidates did wonders for their interview process. And to me, that is like a direct example of the more diff- the, the more diversity you have, maybe the more successful you can have, more success you can have it in the higher pro- hiring process. But we're just going to see, in my opinion, Steve, I want to hear what you have to say after being there uh, in terms of actually how it went down. Because on paper right now, talking about it, it, it seems like a good idea. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned, you know, Kelly, because, you know, part of the diverse nominees are women as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's that's part of the push. The one thing where I'm just kind of like still like, Meh. you know, me, I, I've i seen the evidence to make <laughs> right me a cynic um, <laughs> is that. You know, a lot of these white assistant coaches who keep getting hired, they never had to have, you know, the official introduction. These dudes are getting hired off a of rep, right? They're getting hired off a of rep. You touch Sean McVay, you're there. Oh, unless you're Raheem Morris. You know, yeah. I, you know, that's, again, call me a cynic, but I think I've got about a dossier, the length of the Constitution plus. <laughs> um that could provide me evidence that maybe this works, maybe it doesn't. But again, the effort, it should be applauded. Yeah, it's it's not cynical, right? It's it's just an analysis of, of the things that have happened, right? And I guess the goal would be uh, to have women and minority candidates uh, a part of the front office where it's not contingent on them to have some incredible success to, to justify them being there. Uh, they could just be there and they could be bad. Right. Um, but then they would still at the very least be there. And and so we look forward to hearing what people have to say. And James probably look forward to seeing who chooses to not be there as well. I, I think that's extremely telling. I mean, to me, uh, I look at billionaires as probably people that are pretty good in business. Um, my assumption would mean would be if you're very good in business, you would try to improve your business in any capacity possible. That to me makes sense, but for some reason doesn't happen. If I'm that good at business, I, I would look, I would uncover every stone possible 
in an every opportunity to better my billion dollar business or billion dollar franchise to not attend would be mind blowing to me in an opportunity to better your business. I don't, I, I mean, Steve, honestly, I'm kind of, now that I said it out loud, I'm kind of like, what would that show the rest of your organization? Are, are you trying as much as everybody below you to better us as an, as an organization if you were to skip it? Oh, we'll see because there's some teams that hire coaches and GMs every four years, uh, you know, who tend to just bring in the same two diversity candidates as the other teams just so they can check a box uh, with, you know, with the Rooney rule. Here's something I, I want you guys just to, because uh, me and Jim Trotter do this, you know, from time to time, just go on team websites, you know, and it'll say, you know, you go into the team index and it'll say, it'll say front office. Look at the pictures. Just, just look at the pictures of the executives in the front office folks on there. It, it's, it's always, I, I did it the other day. It was like, <laughs> ain't a whole lot change. Ain't a whole lot change. So again, we'll see. Again, A for effort. I will be there. I trust. Ooh, <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> at, at the very least, it, it provides us an opportunity to have, again, to have the discussion. Um, because this is not an exclusive NFL problem. Uh, this is a United States of America yes. problem. This is a planet Earth problem. Uh, and the way that, that power uh, is distributed uh, on, along people on this planet. Um, and so you, we'll see uh, who's, who's actually interested um, in, in facilitating uh, access uh, to these positions and, and move from there. Uh, because like, like Steve and James said, we don't know. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna find out all right we're, we're gonna find out next week we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer to to find out uh the future or at least the post-career future of, of one drew Brees. but first but before we get to Brees, let's let's cover the, the offseason for the saints guys because it was relatively quiet uh dennis allen comes back i think he's going to his 13th year with the, the organization uh everything was about bringing everybody back including Jameis winston uh they get chris olave trevor pinning in the first round of the draft then here comes the honey badger and now uh shout out to the state of louisiana by the way uh with rhett uh, not out, not not here today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's got, so upset yeah. he's not doing it. Uh, <laughs> we got Lucher High School's own Jarvis Landry now back in the Pelican State. Uh, he's got a three million dollar base deal. Um, so we've got all of these additions, and now Drew Brees is is tweeting. Let's let's look at the tweet because people have had a lot of opportunities to discuss the tweet. Despite speculation from media, side note, you wear a microphone on Sundays, Drew, and Saturdays. By my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. Okay, Drew, I I guess you'll let us know. Um, James, what's happening there? (laughs) Well... What's my, going on? My my thought is, uh, reading that, I'm going to rule out several of them uh, okay. right off the bat. Uh, <laughs> he just said shoulder surgery, even though it's his, uh, I believe, left shoulder. Pickleball's probably out. Um, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> say, <laughs> but I'm going to say, th- this, this has the appearance of, I need to make sure I continue to have some sort of leverage in some capacity. Um, I'll be frank. I covered his final NFL game. Uh that did not look like a guy who could come back and play even another week in the NFL, let alone uh, miss an entire season and come back and play again. It's just none of it, Steve, adds up. They, they've been trying to get their cap situation that Drew Brees' contracts have put them in over the last X number of years by pushing money forward all the time. They're still doing it a little bit to some capacity right now. But, you know, bringing him back just financially doesn't work. Uh, play-wise just doesn't seem to work. I, I think this is a um, – it just seems like it's I'm, – I'm looking for my next move, and I'm going to make sure I create as much leverage about uh, going about that as I, as I can. 100%. I mean, I mean, that's what it is. It's like, okay, if it's not going to work with NBC, let me just put this out there that I've got these options. And he does. I mean, Drew could run for governor, you know? Yeah. I mean, he'd win. Um, so – you know, look, my, my thing is, he if he's coming back, it's not going to be with the Saints. I mean, his his relationship with Sean Payton is one thing. Sean Payton is not there. Yeah, P. Carmichael, the OC, has the relationship with Drew. But they, they like James Winston. I mean, last year, they were never going to say it out loud, but they were like, this locker room and this coaching staff, and everybody wants to prove that they can win without Drew. And they mm-hmm. were winning until James got hurt. 
Yep. And they, and they had and then a boatload of injuries. So they <laughs> boatloads an understatement. Yeah, yeah an understatement. Like, more more, <laughs> more unique lineups than any team in NFL history. Right. <laughs> I mean, Taysom Hill played every place but center just about. Yeah. And now he's been relegated to tight end. And so, um, yeah, I mean, this again, this is Drew just kind of creating some leverage. Drew's a great dude. He's going to land on his feet, mm-hmm. um, whatever he decides to do. But if he comes back to play, I, it's it's not going to be for the Saints. Oh, and here's one for you, Patrick. If you if you want to really have fun, is a team going to sign Jimmy G or Baker? True. <laughs> <laughs> they would have to be very very. It would have to be a, an attractive situation uh, on both parties, and I think we would need to see some social media uh, video of Drew throwing a ball out of a stadium or something. Yeah. Uh, to, to facilitate that. But in terms of his, his old team, uh, so now we talked about, uh, I mentioned the fact that Jarvis is back in his home state. The Honey Badger is back uh, in his home state. Um, does that change, Steve, how you feel uh, about this team? Uh, that, 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 Like we said, uh, believe they could win last year and did until Jameis got hurt. Oh, I, I've talked to people there all offseason. They think they're going to be a very good football team. That's why when everyone's just like, okay, Tom's back, you know, and, and we're all crowning the Buccaneers, the NFC champs, they're like, oh, go right ahead. We're not going anywhere. Now, a lot of that is is everything I'll say is contingent on the health of Jameis Winston. If he can come back and play, they've got weapons all over the place. Okay, so now you had Chris Lave and Jarvis Landry to Michael Thomas, who hasn't played basically in two years. They feel really good about where their offense is going to be. They think their offensive line is fine. Yeah, they lost to Ron Armstead, but, you know, as they'll be quick to remind you, he never played a complete season. So, you know, they think they can fix things on the offensive line. And defensively, that's been their bread and butter for years, even in Drew's final years. So now, you know, you've got Cam Jordan on the front line. You've got Demario Davis on the next line. Now you add Marcus May and Honey Badger to a secondary that's got Marshawn Lattimore. They've got leaders at every level. But then you add Jarvis, who's trying to hang on to his career hang on to his career. He comes in with a chip on his shoulder to go with Michael Thomas's, you know, just undescribable chip. Okay. And then you add Ty Matthews chip on the shoulder. That's a new injection of how you like me now. I'm going to show you to a team that's kind of set. I, I really, I really like the saints again. And if Jarvis is healthy and if Ty is healthy, I really, really like them as a possible uh, deep run playoff team in the NFC. Are, can we measure chips on shoulders? Yeah, I, I do. I, mean, I do. I got the chip tracker going. It's as big. Check, <laughs> check your trip. I can't even say it. Uh, red leather, yellow leather. Check <laughs> check your chip tracker because I think Tyron Matthews might be the biggest of the three Steve mentioned. I mean, with with really Kansas City having no interest in bringing him back, um, and after he wins team MVP. Two of the three years he's there, and oh yeah, Patrick Mahomes is on that team all three of those seasons. Right. I think he knows how valuable he is. He knows how good he is. And to go back home to New Orleans, full circle, in a place where he didn't think, and I think it's one of the, and it should be chronicled more, best stories the NFL has had in Tyron Matthews' transformation as, as a human being, probably, from when he got into the NFL to now to where he didn't even want to be anywhere near New Orleans because he didn't think he could handle it as a person to now embracing it and wanting to be there. Like I can't imagine what he will do that first time he comes out of the tunnel in one of the loudest places that, Steve, we've been in this league and what that'll be like. But but to Steve's point, look at the way their offseason's gone. I, I think they don't need to tell you that they're confident. I think their moves tell you how confident right. they are because when I went down and did LSU's pro day and talking to people down there, there was an appearance of no interest of a quarterback that that trade with the Philadelphia Eagles went through for. They were hoping to get, and no lie, this is before the draft, a wide receiver and a tackle. They ended up getting a wide receiver and a tackle. To have their interest in Malik Willis, which to my understanding is very similar to what the Falcons' interest in him was. And that interest, what I'm saying is we think he's a great player, great person, smart guy. This is a project that's going to take a couple of seasons to not have them. Because we, we think we can win right now. Yeah. And then the core that Steve's mentioning, I mean, the, you didn't even mention Alvin Kamara's name. No. I mean, like, like they, they have, they went from having, and I did several of their games last year to, I, you can clearly say, the worst wide receiving group in the NFL last year. And all three of their top three targets now were not on the team last year. And you go to Michael Thomas, uh, Chris Olave, and, and Jarvis Landry, 
I think this is a great spot for Jarvis. The Browns still liked him, to my understanding, not at $15 million a year, but they, I mean, they still liked him to a sense. And there was some thought of possibly coming back after the Deshaun deal. But like, if you look at the way this fits in, Steve, with Michael Thomas, a true outside big body guy, a burner in Chris Olave, and then you have the opportunity for Jarvis now to work in the slot and work in the middle of the field, like they can play off each other well. Obviously, yeah, a lot of this hinges on Jameis Winston. But they thought that what they saw, and it was, what, five five games, right? A, a guy that protected the football and, and had a what, like 104 quarterback rating. I know we can talk about stats all we want, but like he, he played with him the way they wanted him right. to play. And I think that's a telling aspect of how Jameis played is because we want you to do this, and they saw him do it. And so I, I think that defense is still, what, I think they're a top five defense in, in football. Um, and, and then – all the weapons now you surrounded him, it's going to make life actually easier on him now than it was last season with who he was trying to get the football to. Knowing the character of that team and the guys on that team, they, they probably realize they've got a two-year window, so why not go for it right now? Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's look at the age of the guys on this team and, you know, supplant we could supplant. But playing in that dome, you think Jarvis isn't going to mind playing in a dome? Mm-hmm. You know, when he was playing out, you know, Miami in the blazing heat as he did at LSU, but then in Cleveland in the weather, and now he's got, you know, climate controlled because they don't just play at domes, you know, in New Orleans. They play at some in Atlanta, you know, one Atlanta. So, again, this is this is a team I'm like, we can talk. We can start talking about the Saints now. Mm-hmm. Jameis is good to go with some of the talent, you know, exodus to the AFC. They're right there with yep. the Packers, and they're and they're right there with the Rams in the NFC. You're counting the, the team, Steve, on one hand, right? In the yeah. NFC. That's that thing that and plays the to their favor tremendously. I mean, and they division, beat the Bucks in a regular season. Yeah, yeah, they do own the Bucks. <laughs> they do. <laughs> it's uh, and uh, honestly, uh, Steve, you mentioned the window. Uh, you get you get former team veterans back. You get Mark Ingram back for his last dance. Uh, in New Orleans and, and all of these guys coming home. And James, you mentioned the the story of Tyron Matthew. Um, there was the spice incident when he was at LSU, uh, was kicked off of the team, had to take his own route to the NFL. And there was a kind of dismissal uh, of Tyron Matthew uh, down there on the Gulf Coast. And he ultimately is now a, a huge donor in the LSU football program, donating his time and his money there. Uh, he's shown that forgiveness. And it's kind of a reminder that when these guys are 19, 20, 21 years old, they're, they're not finished products. Um, mm-hmm. And as adults, right, um, we, we should be able to understand that and see that the growth that they can have and, and the contributions they can make. And speaking of contributions, uh, before we go get guys, a shout out to the Buffalo Bills Foundation, the NFL Foundation. Yeah. Uh, combining to donate $400,000 to local response efforts uh, after the shooting uh, at the supermarket in Buffalo. Um, the Bills announced that a combined 200000 is going to go to the Buffalo Together Community Response Fund, uh, trying to address uh, things that, that concerned uh, marginalized people, uh, especially. Um, and we see the, the myriad of ways, uh, not just in this violence, um, but structural interpersonal violence as well that impact people as well. So thank you to the Bills and the NFL. And thank you to, to Steve Weiss and James Palmer uh, here uh, on my first ever uh, trip on the NFL Inside Report. Hope it was good for you guys. That was wonderful. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days, like literally. 
I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. And appreciate you guys uh, for spending time with us here on the NFL Inside Report. I am Patrick Claibon on behalf of those of us here at the NFL, as well as our producers, Thomas Warren, as well as Tim Barachka. Uh, thanks for listening to the Inside Report, and we'll see you next week. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.